guys, how's it going? Uh, we love the stories of endurance in hard times and being inspired by people who have challenging situations, and uh, they really are. He really is a little big shot, and we are starting this series last week called Little Big Shots, and, uh, and so today we're going to talk about how to endure in the midst of hardship and challenges, so I, I'm going to pray for you here in just a minute, and, uh, and uh, hopefully as all of us kind of re-engage on what does it mean to really have a dream and be faithful to that dream. Uh, we were on vacation for a few days. Uh, we've spent five days in the Outer Banks in North Carolina. Yes, we did have power. You guys heard the power was out down there. And, uh, and, and we had a great time uh, down there with our family, and our girls brought a friend with them, and, uh, and so we, we enjoyed it. Now, Josh and Jess and Lisa and I went out to dinner the other night and said, uh, what was your favorite part of the vacation? And this is really going to embarrass my wife, but it, it's fine with me. I don't, I don't really care. She's not in here right now, so nobody tell her. But my favorite part of the vacation, literally this is true, my kids all went out on a, on a nighttime like uh, walk on the beach, and I was like, Lisa, let's go on a nighttime walk on the beach. This will be awesome. There's no kids there, right? This is going to be great. And so we, we walked for about 25 feet, and uh, then we saw a house with kind of like these little, uh, you know, these, you know, they're on stilts or whatever. I was like, let's slip under there and make out like we're teenagers. She's like, awesome. And uh, that's what we did. And it was like, that's my favorite part of the vacation, you know. And uh, so it's cool, you know, it's cool. Hey, we're married, all right? It's fine. We're married. We're allowed to do that, okay? And uh, so anyway, it, it, was a, it was a great, great vacation. Uh, I want to let you know about two things as we start today. Uh, first of all, you all gave for a couple of uh, things that we had asked. Let's, let's give to a couple of, of important things around here. And uh, you all gave uh, $3,000 to what's going to be happening back here and the structural changes for co uh, coffee, and that is awesome. Well done on that. And then also to Gerard and Delina, Axis Church gave about $5,200. And so today we're going to be giving them that. And, uh, and uh, we know that's going to be an encouragement to them as they are walking through this time where he's not employed because of his surgery. Uh, also then out in the lobby are these uh, serve opportunity cards. It's, uh, we lost a month, it seems like, doesn't it? School starts so early now that it seems like we lose a month of summer. So we're already back into fall programming, coming right on it. And so we need individuals to serve in different departments. And so I want you to check this out, grab it out there, look through the needs, find the one that you think most resonates with you as you read through it, put your name on there, and just leave it out in the basket, out in the lobby. We really want uh, and need everybody to be serving, and uh, whether it be impressions or cleaning or working our tech ministry with our children, it's important for all of us to, to be serving. All right, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer as we get started. Uh, God, we just thank you so much for your encouragement to us through the scripture. It is through your spirit and through the scripture that we have hope and we are able to endure in the most challenging of times as well as uh, focus positively and stay humble during the best of times. So God, teach us today through your word and God, enliven us as we hear it. And God, I pray there'll be something that just sparks this reality in our life, this truth in our life today that allows us to make the changes that we need to make. And we just pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I told you I love the stories that inspire uh, those stories that are people who've endured difficult times and they've overcome. They had an unexpected hardship in their life and they endured. And when the cards were dealt to them, it seemed like man, they got a bad hand, but they took the best of that. And they said, no matter what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let that thing define me. And uh, those are the things that inspire me the most. 
Listen to the words of that, that song that that young man sang. I'm not afraid to take a stand. We'll walk through this road together, through the storm. Whatever the weather, cold or warm, you're not alone. Talk about a young man who has endured the most difficult of times. Now, last week, Josh talked about the story of Abraham and his son Isaac and how God promised Abraham that through his generation, through his legacy, and through his son named Isaac, the world would be blessed through them. And, of course, Jesus would come out of that line, the, the, the Israelites. And so the world has been blessed through their entire family. And today what we're going to do, Josh asked the question, how do you live a legacy? And what we're going to ask today is, how do you endure even in hardship and stay faithful to God's dream in your life? And when you think about the word endure, a lot of times it brings up negative thoughts. Like enduring a really boring lecture or enduring a fifth grade band concert. Some of you guys have been there with the clarinets and the saxophones. Or or enduring watching your favorite team collapse in the playoffs. No team name mentioned. But the word endure does not always have to be negative. In fact, many of you ladies here have endured months of pregnancy and ultimately have the birth of this beautiful baby at the end of enduring these nine months and then the delivery. A patient will endure eight hours of surgery, but the result in the end is healing. A salesman might endure weeks of negotiation, but the result is landing the deal. A Christian can endure temptation and may face criticism by people around them, but the result is pleasing God and blessings in their life. You see, all of us, we face times of endurance, staying on, keeping on in the midst of difficult times. So let me ask you this question. I've already asked you to think about the word endure, but what comes to mind when you think about someone who endures difficulties and keeps going on? What do you think about that person who endures? When I think about somebody with endurance, I think about strength. I think about the ability to keep on no matter what happens. I think about the incredible depth of character that that takes. Have you all been watching the America's Got Talent recently where the one young girl who's a singer was burned in an accident, an airplane accident. All of her friends died in that accident, and she survived, but now she's singing. Those stories are so inspirational, and one of the things that Howie said about was that it really demonstrates her character. I think about somebody who endures, who stands firm in the face of adversity, who keeps going despite the critics, the obstacles, who remains crystal clear in their focus, despite what everybody else around them might say. I think about somebody who has a dream and who sees that dream to reality. That's endurance. And there is this young man, this little big shot in the Bible named Joseph, that's one of my all-time favorite characters in the Bible because he has this incredible story of enduring difficult times and staying faithful to God. Now, his background His dad's name was Jacob, who was also called Israel, and Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. Jacob's dad was Isaac, his grandfather was Abraham, and Jacob ends up having 12 sons from four different women. Talk about who's that baby's daddy, they all know, but the mommies are a little bit confusing here. We got four of them. He falls in love with a girl named Rachel. She's lovely. She's beautiful, the Bible says, but uh, but, uh, Rachel's dad... She said, he said, well, you can't marry Rachel right now. You have to work for me for seven years before you can earn my daughter's hand in marriage. Jacob said, fine, I'll do that, no problem. That's like a, that's like a moment. I love her so much. 
But at the last second, after seven years of working, Laban, Rachel's dad, slips Leah, his, his not-as-lovely daughter, into the bridal state, you know, and puts the veil over her. And, and, and Jacob, he didn't, he didn't know. So they said, I do, I do, and now they're married. And then he realizes, uh-oh. And when the Bible says, while Rachel is lovely in form, it said that Leah had weak eyes. I don't know what that means, but it wasn't lovely in form. I mean, maybe she had a unibrow or something. I'm not sure, but she was not as lovely as Rachel. And he didn't love her like he loved Rachel. But he's like, okay, I'll work seven more years for Rachel's hand. So Laban ends up giving him both of his daughters. But then both of them end up, I mean, just imagine, guys, you all have one wife. You know, just imagine having two. Talk about endurance, you know. And, uh. And then not only that, but both of them were barren. They couldn't have children. And so both of the ladies said, look, you take our servants as wives as well. They'll bear you children. So now poor Jacob has four wives. And, uh, man, he is uh, having kids and uh, raising those kids. And, and it's talk about a dysfunctional family. Twelve sons, one daughter. And, and one of his favorite sons was Joseph because ultimately Rachel was able to have children. And one of those was Joseph. And so, of course, boy, Jacob just really loved Joseph and just picked him out as his favorite. How many of you parents know it's not okay to pick favorites as your kids, right? You know, it's not okay to do that. And uh, it's going to lead to some sibling conflict. And, and so in the middle of all of this, here's what I realized. That somehow God takes the mess of all of these children. By the way, these 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. Out of that is eventually going to become, obviously, the Israelites. And out of that is going to become, going to become Jesus the Messiah. And again, not to be too sermonatic, if that's a word, um, this is where Jesus takes our mess and brings a Messiah, if you know what I'm saying. And somehow God takes the best of a situation and brings out something good. And the second youngest son of Jacob was named Joseph, and Joseph was Rachel's son, and Jacob loved Joseph dearly. Now, that ended up in him giving him this incredible coat of many colors, which he didn't apparently give to the rest of the boys. They didn't like that very much. And so Joseph goes on. He's not liked by his brothers. He's sold ultimately. They end up kind of selling him as a slave to a foreign land. Ultimately, you're going to learn today, Joseph was falsely accused of rape. He was thrown in prison where he was left and forgotten. You talk about hardship. I don't think many of us have faced that kind of difficulty. He faced hardship and challenges that most of us haven't, and yet he endured. And so I want you to look at Genesis chapter 37, and I'm going to begin with the setting here and help you understand this story. Verse 1 says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. Remember his father's Isaac. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, a little big shot, was tending the flocks with his brothers, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Uh Uh-oh. Not only did he have a big coat, he's also, what do we call this guy? He's a tattletale. Who knew this about Joseph? But he is, and they didn't like that. And it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So here's Joseph, the second youngest son of Jacob. And Jacob treated him like the baby of the family. He got a new colorful robe from Jerusalem's Macy's. And his brothers had to go to the Samaritan Salvation Army to get their stuff. 
And to add insult to injury, Joseph comes to them one day and he tells them, hey guys, listen. Verse 5 says, he says, I have a dream. I had a dream about us. And the dream ultimately was that one day his brothers were going to bow down to him. Now, how many of you know if you were an older sibling, you wouldn't really like it if your younger sibling was like, hey, one of these days you're going to bow down to me. And that's what he did. Now, today, we learned that Joseph was a dreamer. And guys, listen, I'm talking to some people in this room who do have a dream. Young people, maybe you had a, had a dream. Maybe as a young person you had a dream. You had goals for your life. There's some of you had a dream that you have yet to fulfill in your life. Or maybe you've let that fade a little bit. Because for whatever reason, you've kind of lost that vision. You've lost that dream over the years. As a young person, you had it, but you don't have it anymore. And today we're talking about how do you endure until a dream is fulfilled? How do you keep on keeping on? The Bible says in Hebrews that you're to run with perseverance the race that's marked out for you. Not somebody else's dream, your dream. What is the dream that God has given you in your life and how do you complete it? Here's how to do it. Right from the story of Joseph, I would say if you want to be a little big shot who has a dream and fulfills it, you need to let yourself dream. Joseph was a dreamer, but when he started, he shared his dreams, and not everybody likes it. And I've found out in my life, those who are visionary, those who have dreams, typically when they first share their dream, not everybody likes that dream. I've had that happen many times over the years, where sometime in ministry or or something, we'll have an idea for something, we'll share that. We believe it's from the Lord. We think God's leading us a certain direction. And we'll go that direction, and there are ultimately going to be a few people around that are like, I don't think that's a good idea. Why are they doing that? Why would they spend money on something like that? And then later on, those very people that were the ones that said, I don't think that should happen, are the very ones who end up embracing that dream because they find out that that dream actually did work. Not everybody adopts it right away. But in the end, I found out, The majority, when they look at it, they say, yeah, that is something that God has truly blessed. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers, listen, listen, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Boy, he's really adding insult to injury now. And so here is one of the youngest brothers telling the older brothers that he's going to rule over them. And the text says that his brother hated him all the more and they conspired to kill him. And what I want you to understand first from this, friends, is this. Joseph's dreams were not motivated out of hatred toward his family. They were really dreams from the Lord, given a true picture from God about the future. And later in Joseph's life, we're going to find out those dreams were happening just as he said. And friends, you're going to find out how much trouble these dreams get Joseph into. But, but I think it, it gave, God gave him a clear picture of the future. Here's what I want to say to you. I've encountered many dreamers and many visionaries in my life, and I'm always impressed that they are absolutely motivated and focused on future realities. They allow themselves to dream. They do not ignore present realities. In fact, they're usually well aware of current realities, but then they look to the future and say, regardless what critics say, I'm moving forward in faith. I believe this is where God leads us strongly. 
No matter how difficult the situation, dreamers always see the positive future. Listen to some of these phrases from some dreamers. John F. Kennedy, when he debated Nixon, he said, Therefore, I think the question before the American people is, are we doing as much as we can do? Are we as strong as we should be? Are we strong as we must be if we're going to maintain our independence, if we're going to hold out a hand of friendship to those who look to us for assistance, to those who look for us for survival? I should make it very clear that I do not think we're doing enough. I'm not satisfied as an American with the progress we're making. This is a great country, but I think we could be a greater country. And this is a powerful country, but I think it would be a more powerful country. It's time America started moving again. Or how about that dreamer? Uh, Tony Blair, when he gave a speech to his party's conference in 2003, he said, the reason I bang the drum for change is I get so angry that it takes so long, restless at how much there is to do. I want us to go faster, further, get rid of the false choice, principles or no principles, replace it with the true choice, forward or back. I can only go one way. I have no reverse gear. Those are the words of a dreamer, a mentality that says, regardless of what others say, we are moving forward. Preacher E. Ray Jones from our movement, Christian Churches, writes, Some of us lose our dream because we focus only on the past. The golden age was yesterday. Everything that is significant has already transpired. That is not to say that we don't realize the importance of the past. In fact, the Bible commands that we remember the past as a route to a more productive present and future. There are people for whom only the past, though, is important. They're like a conductor on a commuter train. They can only see what's gone by. Others live only in the present, and that means they only live for the moment. They do just enough to get by, or they live just for the day. And his call is for people to start looking again toward a positive future. In his book, 12 Keys to an Effective Congregation, Dr. Kenneth Callahan writes, The watershed question for many people is this. Do you believe that your best years are behind you? Or do you believe your best years are before you? That's a good question. Some of you today, you may think, uh, wow, my best years are before me. Remember the stories of people like Colonel Sanders, who in his 80s decided to create something that was finger-licking good. Friends, I'm just telling you today, dreams don't have to die when you hit 75 or retirement age. Your dreams don't have to die when you feel like I've done something wrong. Dreams can continue. And friends, I, I know some organizations believe that their best years are behind them. Church, some churches believe their best years are behind them. But listen, effective, successful people, effective, successful dreamers live in the confidence of God's promise that some of their best years are yet to come. And so what's your dream today? Our God is not simply in the past. He's in the present. And he's in the future, leading us and drawing us relentlessly to newness of life. Never doubt it. Hope is stronger than memory. And so first, I would just say, let yourself dream. And the second thing I would say, if you really want to live that dream, you have to live with integrity. One of the things I love about Joseph is in the middle of all of this, you don't see him cursing God or, or, or swearing God. I mean, he tells his dreams to his brothers It made them so angry with him that they threatened to kill him. And then they decide instead to throw him into a dry well. And as they're eating lunch, a caravan of Midianite traders come by and they sell their brother to them. I mean, you think you had it bad in your house as a sibling. 
some of you probably wanted to trade your brother or sister, you know what I'm saying? But these traders take him to Egypt where an officer of Pharaoh buys him as a slave. Oh, and by the way, here's a couple of interesting connect the dots, how God fulfills a plan. God had already planned that the Israelites would be taken from their land and they would be put into Egypt. And they would live in Egypt for 400 years. We learn in the scripture that that was already told, that was already part of the plan, and that that would be so that God would prepare their land even further. And so now they're going to be in Egypt for 400 years. You ask the question, how did they get to Egypt? Right here's the story. How did God allow the story of Moses to happen? The Ten Commandments. All of this started when Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. God had a plan, even though it seemed challenging. Look at chapter 39 of Genesis, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, very subtly, I might add, come to bed with me. (laughs) There's not much subtlety in her. But he refused. In fact, the Bible says every day, day after day, she would come to him with those words, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. And, and he, she persisted and Joseph resisted. Imagine what would have happened to God's dream if Joseph would have fallen to temptation. I'm sure that God would have fulfilled it anyway, but he wouldn't have probably done it through Joseph. What would have happened to the blood of the lamb being put on the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over the households and they'd be spared and would eventually symbolize Jesus' blood being poured out on hearts to cover our sins so that when we face death, we would be saved? What would have happened to the crossing of the Red Sea where God's people went from captivity and slavery through the water into freedom, which eventually symbolizes our journey from bondage of sin through the waters of salvation and baptism that would lead us to freedom? What would have happened to Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments if Joseph would have said yes to Potiphar's wife? But he didn't. He stayed faithful to God, and Joseph remained faithful even when there was a persistent temptation to do something else. Joseph could have rationalized, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know about it. Maybe you've thought that. Maybe at a time of temptation, you've rationalized in your own mind, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to see it. And because of that, there's no problem here. I think one of the biggest temptations is sexual sin like Joseph faced. It it leads people away from those dreams. And I think one of the biggest reasons young people give up on their dreams is because along the way they make a mistake that they believe they cannot overcome. And, And the devil hounds them with the idea of guilt and shame They feel so bad for their actions. They feel like God could never use me again. And one of the things you see over and over and over in the scripture is even when there are people who have made mistakes, God's grace is sufficient and God still used and fulfilled dreams through failures like David and Moses and Noah and Abraham 
Hebrews 12, 1 says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I thought about calling this point, remove the distractions, because there are always distractions in our way to fulfilling dreams. So let me just ask you guys, how are you doing on this one, folks? Do you have the dream in your life? Do you have a vision for your life, what you think God's calling you to? And are you living with integrity? You're making good decisions toward that dream. And the third one I would say is, keep going when you're discouraged. Joseph had every reason to be discouraged. Hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, facing temptation, and now, now Potiphar's wife is accusing him of raping her. She's saying, he came on to me, and it wasn't, it wasn't me, it was him. But Joseph stayed faithful. Now, he could have been discouraged, because ultimately that decision with Potiphar's wife ended up to him being thrown in prison, not just for a little while. I mean, here he is in the prison of waiting or discouragement or wondering, why do I deserve this? But you don't sense that in Joseph's life. And friends, if you've ever been in the prison of waiting or discouragement, what you need to hear is this. You might be right in the middle of God's will, even though it doesn't feel like it. And I think Joseph had a really good handle on this. No matter what, I'm going to be faithful to God. In fact, in the text, it just says God was with Joseph and Joseph prospered. Maybe today you are in a challenging situation. You might be in a marriage or relationship that's on rocky ground. You might have made a personal commitment that you're having great difficulty keeping. You might have a secret sin that's threatening to pull you down. You might be in a, have a terrible burden that seems too heavy to carry. Friends, what you need to hear today is it's always too soon to give up. We should always leave room for God to surprise us. Listen to what Galatians 6, 9 says. Do not become weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't do what? If you don't give up, stay faithful. In the words of Corey Ten Boom, there is no pit so deep, but that God is not deeper still. With God in the equation, it's always too soon to give up, friends. So listen, let yourself dream. I mean, really, what is it that God has in, in your store for you? What are you dreaming about today for your life, for your kids, for your family, for your future? What are you dreaming about? Live with integrity. Make decisions in accordance with that dream. Live a life of integrity. And then, friends, just listen. When you do that, realize if you just stay focused, don't be discouraged. Don't get off course. Don't allow people to take you off course. And then finally, recognize that God has a plan. Recognize his providence. Here, Joseph is in prison, falsely accused, and, and he meets two guys. One was a cupbearer for the king, and the other was a baker for the king. Now, they must have made a pretty bad meal to be thrown into prison, right? That's a bad cake. You're going to jail. And they had a dream one night, and Joseph interpreted their dream for them incorrect, uh, correctly. And, and the cupbearer, as he was leaving prison, he said, Joseph, I'll never forget you. Well, guess what? He went back to work, and what did he do? He forgot. Two years later, two years later, the, the king had a dream, and nobody could interpret it. But finally, the cupbearer remembered Joseph. So they called on Joseph, and he correctly interpreted the dream, and he was promoted from prison to second in command of all of Egypt. And a few years later, here Joseph is, a leader in Egypt. And there was a great drought and famine throughout all the land, because, but because Egypt was so wealthy, and because Joseph 
had seen and the dream of what was going to happen in Egypt. He had provided a good supply of food and water. They had stored it away. And so then Joseph's family who lived in Israel or or lived in, in Canaan, they traveled over to Egypt and said, we have to have food. And they end up bowing before the second in command in in the Pharaoh's world, and that was who? That was Joseph. And here they are, his brothers, bowing down before him, just as the dream had shown. It wasn't just a chance encounter. Chapter 45 of Genesis, verse 5 says, Joseph says to his brothers after they realize, "Uh uh-oh, he's powerful, we need food, and we threw him in a pit, and we sold him. This is not a good day. They said, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. All this pain Joseph went through to save lives. For two years now there's been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will not be plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here but God. He made me father of Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Friends, this was not a coincidence. It was a God incident. God working his will to the lives of his people to interact with each other in such a way that even though they thought they were doing the wrong thing, ended up God using that to provide his providence and to fulfill his dream. Friends, God's providence is his continuous activity over governing and preserving his creation. It's his plan. Romans 8.28 says it this way, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. One way to endure to the end is to realize that even when life seems messed up, God still can accomplish His plan and His dream for your life. You've heard it said before, if you look at the back of a beautiful tapestry, you're going to see all kinds of strings and yarn that look like they're all messed up. But if you turn it on the other side, you're going to see that beautiful tapestry. On the back, it looks frayed. You can't even see how it all connects. When you just look at that side, turn it around, you're going to see a beautiful picture. And friends, you don't understand how it's all going to work together in your life. It's hard for you to see when you're focused on those singular threads of challenge, of difficulty, of frustration, how God is creating you a beautiful tapestry out of your life. Everything working together according to His plans. And friends, even though you don't see everything that is going on, God does have a plan. God sees everything. He sees how he wrote this future into your present, and you only see a little part of it. And friends, my challenge for you today is this, that you see the dream, that you overcome those obstacles, that you live with integrity, and that you endure to the end and you finish the race. A few years ago, several of us from Axis decided that we were going to do a Tough Mudder race. Some of you remember this, 12 miles, 25 obstacles, mud, freezing cold water, electric shock, that was fun, high temperature of 50 degrees, it was cold. It was so cold that every time it's 50 degrees outside, I tell my kids, hey, this is what it was like when I did Tough Mudder, and they're probably tired of hearing that. But I was impressed with our team all day long, and especially two guys from our church, Steve Allen and Roberto Astachio. One of the early obstacles was jumping over these pits filled with water and mud, and Steve slipped on one of them. This was very early in the race, and he badly twisted his ankle. Most people would have quit, not Steve. He was just determined, I'm going to keep going. I've trained for this. And Roberto, who was nearby, even though Roberto, 
he was not uh, physically injured and he was fully prepared for this and able to tackle all these obstacles, decided that his new goal was not to finish fast. His new goal was to cross the finish line with Steve. And they did. They finished the entire 12-mile run together. And friends, what I want you to know is that there was another runner who ran injured, and in his case, he ran alone. And ultimately, he was able to cry out, it is finished. And he did it for the joy that was set before him. He endured the pain. And friends, I would tell you that some of you are running well, but a lot of you wrestle with pain every day and with every step. And you look at other people's lives, and you look and wonder, why can't my life be like that? Why can't I have their dream? And you think that maybe it's just time for you just to quit. Why don't I just give in? And friends, I'll tell you why you don't give in. Because he didn't give in. The author and perfecter of our faith and of this course ran with injuries. And he is not at the finish. And he is at the finish line waiting for you to get there. The victory is not just in the future. The victory is as you go along one more step, one more day. He never asks you to win the race alone. He already did that on the cross. He only asks that you finish the race. One of the favorite moments, I've told you several times in my grandfather's life, 90-year-old, 90 birthday, my my uncle said, read some scripture, quote some scripture, quote some scripture, Dad. He goes, oh, I can't do that. I, I don't remember much. And suddenly he stood up tall and he quoted that verse from Timothy, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And there is a crown of righteousness in store for me, but not only me, all those who've longed for his appearing. And that is a moment that I will never forget. I have finished the race. Friends, I want to encourage you. If you have a dream today, if you don't have a dream, you need to get one. Dream about your life. What's going to happen in this next chapter of your life? What is God going to do through you? How can you use what you do in your daily life to, to do something positive for people? What is it? Stay faithful to it. Live that dream. Live with integrity. Stay focused on the future. And remember this verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't give up. Stay faithful to the dream. That's what little big shots do. That's what Joseph did. That's what you can do. God, we thank you so much for the word of God that encourages us and leads us and motivates us. And God, I pray through the rest of this worship experience that we would reflect on the life of Joseph We would think about how he endured through difficult times, how he stayed faithful to you. And God, we would remember that that is a tremendous challenge to do that, but the most inspiring stories are those of people who face challenges and yet endure to the end. And so God, we pray for that for everybody in here. Give us that dream, God. Help us to stay faithful to it. We pray in the little things and the big things, God, that you would allow us to do your will. And then in the end, you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. I know you couldn't see the end. I know you couldn't see how it was all going to work out. But you stayed faithful. Well done.
God, we worship and honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen.